0: Hi everyone, Matt here. The current book we're reading is Peter Pan and we started it in episode 15. So if you haven't been listening to the podcast so far, I would suggest going back to episode 15 so that you know what's going on. If you're brand new to the podcast, I'd say go back to episode two where we read Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and you can binge all the way from there. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Gonzalez. My name's David Cox.
1: And my name is Josh Matheson.
0: And this week we are looking at chapter seven of Peter Pan, yeah. which I cannot remember the title.
1: Oh, got, God, what
2: is the title? It's only, it's only it's been on, a hang week, on. Hang on. but you know. Anybody know? Uh, Last week was like The Little coming, house. Coming in, inside, inside the burrow. Oh, not
1: far off. Inside oh, the yes. any advances on that.
0: Something like the bunker. Oh, <laughs> <What's that? laughs>
1: it's, uh, you're both close. The home under the ground. Ah,
2: yes.
0: So we think we are close, gonna...
2: But none of the words were right.
1: Yeah, that's
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just say, if this is a house that is populated purely by young boys, I bet it is disgusting. Fails. Yeah. You know there are just going to be pants everywhere, crisp <laughs> packets, just... Oh, it's going to be, it's going to smell of B.O. It's going to be horrible. Yeah.
2: links Africa.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder Wendy wanted her own house. She's like, there's no way I'm living there with you lot.
2: <laughs> they, skipped, they skipped the chapter where she got a little tour and she went, nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm out. <laughs> Take me home.
0: <laughs> so last week in chapter six, we found out that Tink's plan didn't work. Wendy survived being shot because it hit the acorn that she had around the chain. And then to show their appreciation for having a mother, finally, the boys built Wendy a house kind of over the top of her.
1: Yeah. While she was on the the recovery. Yeah.
0: Um, and that was pretty much all that happened in that chapter, wasn't it? Like they just built the house and then she started telling them, I think a little bit of a story and, That's where it ended. So the main reveal was just the fact that Wendy survived, but it didn't really move anything along in terms of the story, really. We had a couple of nice madness songs from Josh. I feel like after probably this book, maybe I should cut all the songs out of all the episodes and just put them (laughs) all into one special podcast episode so people can just hear the songs back to back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that would be special. I'm not sure <laughs> if it's a good kind we'll of special. We'll see how many
2: downloads that gets. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll put it on iTunes. Oh no. Uh, I, actually, I wouldn't buy it because I'd probably get it for free, wouldn't I? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, have you bought yours yet? No. Uh,
1: you got to have some perks, haven't you?
0: Oh, well, exactly. So, The Home Under the Ground. So, we dive in.
1: Let's go. Chapter 7. The Home Under the Ground. One of the first things Peter did next day was to measure Wendy and John and Michael for hollow trees. Hook, you remember, had sneered at the boys for thinking they needed a tree apiece. But this was ignorance, for unless your tree fitted you, it was difficult to go up and down, and no two of the boys were quite the same size. Once you fitted, you drew in, let out, your breath at the top, and down you went at exactly the right speed. While you ascend, you drew in and let out alternately, and so wriggled up. Of course, I don't really understand what's been happening it's there.
2: just I think it's a like claustrophobic approach into the house. I think uh, that yeah. basically they've just said that they've
0: worked out this system where the <laughs> optimum amount of friction... For each boy, depending on how big or small they are, they've found a trunk that's exact so that when you let your breath out, you fall into the burrow at the right I'm imagining
2: it works a bit like a human throat that it's sort of like,
0: uh, oh, like the muscle pushes you down. What? The muscle behind contracts. And yeah, that that probably is kind of what they're suggesting.
1: Of course, when you have mastered the action, you're able to do these things without thinking of them. And nothing can be more graceful. (laughs)
0: nothing <laughs> um, thing I'm is the, more graceful than nothing. Wriggling through a tree, uh, just doing some shimmy
2: ballet. Uh, a, yeah, <laughs> a dolphin leaping sort of wistfully out of the ocean. No, a, a boy slipping down it.
1: <laughs> but you simply must fit, and Peter measures you for your tree as carefully as for a suit of clothes. The only difference being that the clothes are made to fit you, while you have to be made to fit the tree. Usually, it is done quite easily, as by you're wearing too many garments or too few. But if you are bumpy in awkward places, or the only available tree is an odd shape, Peter does some things to you, and after that you fit. I dread to think what Peter does to you to make fit. Well, I know, because
2: you start chopping limbs off. Yeah. Or... <laughs> <laughs> it, said, it said, like, knobbly bits, so is that, like, knees and elbows and, you know, what? I would
1: imagine so. A rogue mole, that's going to go... Mm.
2: Moobs. It castrates them or something. <laughs> uh,
1: no lost boy shall have moobs. That's
2: <laughs> like they've all got high
0: voices. They've had all their knobbly bits cut off. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Once you fit, great care must be taken to go on fitting. And this, as Wendy was to discover to her delight, keeps the whole family in perfect condition.
0: So basically he puts them all on a diet so that they don't get any better. Yeah,
1: they have a health regime just so they can get into their house.
0: <laughs> this is like a lot of faff just to get in and out of a hideout. Just put a door on it. But they do eat imaginary food,
2: so I'm guessing that's not a worry.
0: Yeah, it's true. Although if they can make a big hole with a giant mushroom, why didn't they just lift the
2: mushroom up and jump down? Like just that would use make that. much more sense, so, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. Have they never heard of a ladder? Clearly not. No, no, it's it's not in anyone's it's not in anyone's Neverland, so it can't. No, be. so but
0: then maybe this is also a security feature as well, because if the pirates get into the trunks, they probably wouldn't be able to actually get into the ah, bunker because okay. they can't fit. So this this could be a security right. thing. They, could they could drop point. a cake
2: down it though, couldn't they? They could drop
0: cake down it. <laughs> the ultimate <laughs> <laughs> weapon, piece <laughs> by piece.
1: <laughs>
2: ah, <a laughs> Covered <covenant> in <laughs> <of> icing. <laughs>
1: Wendy and Michael fitted their trees at the first try, but John had to be altered a little. After a few days' practice, they could go up and down as gaily as buckets in a well, and how ardently they grew to love their home under the ground, especially Wendy. It consisted of one large room, as all houses should do, with a floor in which you could dig for worms if you wanted to go fishing, and in this floor grew stout mushrooms of a charming colour, which were used as stools.
0: I'm glad that, th- that he quantified what the worms were for, because I honestly thought the boys were just eating them. Yeah. Because if the well, food's it, imaginary, you'd get to that point of desperation, wouldn't you? Where you just want well, some it protein.
1: C- it could be like that that rhyme about eating worms. Did you did you learn that as a oh. as a young lad growing up?
2: Is this gonna be another one of these things where Josh learnt as a child and me and Matt again? Yeah. Gonna... Um, you
1: must know the worm one. It sounds worms. like your
2: parents were just teaching you monologues as you were a, growing up. There's a worm at the bottom of the garden.
1: No, it's not. Like no. A, should, I, should I do it for you? Go on. Okay, okay. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates oh, yeah, yeah. me. Think I guess I'll, I'll go, and eat go eat worms. worms.
2: Long, oh, oh, one. Fat fat Long, thin, slimy ones, short, fat, fatty ones, gooey, 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 gooey
1: worms. Long, thin, slimy ones, slip down easily, do short, fat, fatty ones, stick. Short, <laughs> fat, fatty <fussy laughs> ones, stick <laughs> in I the deep, then the juice goes. So cut
2: off the
1: heads and cut off the tails and throw the skins away. Nobody knows how I just got a hundred worms a day.
2: Oh my God, that was in the library.
1: You see, it was there.
2: I
0: recognise the first verse. And then it just got faster and faster and I just couldn't (laughs) keep up.
1: I'll teach you, Matt. I'll teach you. A never tree tried hard to grow in the centre of the room, but every morning they sawed the trunk through, level with the floor. By tea time, it was always about two feet high, and then they put a door on top of it, the hole thus becoming a table. As soon as they cleared away, they sawed off the trunk again, and thus there was more room to play. That's a very fast-growing tree. Mm. Yeah. There was an enormous fireplace, which was in almost any part of the room where you cared to light it. And across this, Wendy stretched strings made of fibre, from which she suspended her washing. The bed was tilted against the wall by day and let down at 6.30, when it filled nearly half the room and all the boys slept in it, except Michael, lying like sardines in a tin. (laughs)
0: <laughs> they just have one massive bed
1: thing is it sounds
0: like fun but you know the reality of that every day would be so tiresome it's but not me
2: anxiety if,
1: yeah but not if you're perpetually 10 years old it'd be quite fun there was a strict rule against turning around until one gave the signal when all turned at once So so literally, they don't...
0: (laughs) They're doing synchronised sleeping. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So they don't steal the duvet or something, Uh, are they? True. Michael should have used it also, but Wendy would have desired a baby. And he was the littlest. And you know what women are, and the short and long of it is that he was hung up in a basket. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so what? long story
0: short <laughs> so he's probably like i want to be in the bed and she's like i need a baby because i'm a woman and apparently that's all i desire in life so i'm gonna put you in a basket and pretend you're a baby
1: Just so he's up. like he sleeps in the moses basket back yeah. down the, by the side
0: i feel like this is another sexist jab particularly like because there's no mention of michael sleeping in a basket in the nursery either no he's, no. he's in an equal bed So he's probably being like, why have I been downgraded?
1: It was rough and simple and not unlike what baby bears would have made of an underground house in the same circumstances. But there was one recess in the wall, no larger than a birdcage, which was the private apartment of Tinkerbell. It could be shut off from the rest of the house by a tiny curtain, which Tink, who was most fastidious, particular, always kept drawn when dressing or undressing. No woman, however large, could have had more exquisite boudoir, dressing room, and bedchamber combined. The couch, as she always called it, was a genuine Queen Mab with club legs, and she varied the bedspreads according to what fruit blossom was in season. Her mirror was a Puss in Boots, of which there are now only three, unchipped, known to fairy dealers. The washstand was pie-crust and reversible – the chest of drawers an authentic, charming the sixth, and the carpet and rugs the best, the early period, of Marjorie and Robin. There was a chandelier from Tiddlywinks for the look of the thing, but of course she lit the residence herself. Tink was very contemptuous of the rest of the house, as indeed was perhaps inevitable, and her chamber, though beautiful, looked rather conceited, having the appearance of a nose permanently turned up. So she really has dressed this out like a bit of a. Mm,
0: she's the madam. Which makes a, sense as to why she didn't want another girl around because she obviously has this queen kind bee. of. Yeah, she's the queen bee and she's got this whole thing kind of sewn up.
1: I'd imagine this is what it would be like if you visited a brothel with the borrowers. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it was all especially entrancing to Wendy because those rampageous boys of hers gave her so much to do. Really, there were whole weeks when, except perhaps with a stocking in the evening, she was never above ground. The cooking, I can tell you, kept her nose to the pot, and even if there was nothing in it, even if there was no pot, she had to keep watching that it came a boil just the same. You never exactly knew whether there would be a real meal or just a make-believe. It all depended on Peter's whim. He could eat, really eat, if it was part of a game, but he could not stodge, cram down the food, just to feel stodgy, stuffed with food, which is what most children like better than anything else. So she
0: has been brought, obviously, to be a mother. And even if there isn't actually real food on the fire, they still make her stand by the fire and pretend.
1: Well, I think Peter does. He just is like, we're doing a make-believe dinner tonight, but you still have to cook it. Why is she here?
0: I don't know. <laughs> Everyone else seems to be having like the biggest laugh, fighting pirates and living their best life. And it's like, Wendy, can you just hang our washing out and pretend to cook soup every night? And you're not allowed to leave the pot.
1: She's literally chained to the hole in the ground.
2: I love it if she was like, I can actually make real soup. They're like, no, no, no
1: just, uh. The next best thing being to talk about it. Make-believe was so real to him that during a meal of it, you could see him getting rounder. Of course, it was trying, but you simply had to follow his lead. And if you could prove to him that you were getting loose for your tree, he'd let you stodge. So I guess he saying say, like, if you could prove that you're losing weight, then he lets you eat a little bit more so that you can be a perfect <laughs> fit for your trunk.
2: He's oh, got, like, scales there during dinner. Like, yeah, you have your starter, go on the scales... Good news, you can have your maid. Bad news, you have to
1: (laughs) be sick. Wendy's favourite time for sewing and darning was after they had all gone to bed. Then, as she expressed it, she had a breathing time for herself, and she occupied it in making new things for them, and putting double pieces on the knees, for they were all most frightfully hard on their knees. When she sat down to a basket of their stockings, every heel with a hole in it, she would fling up her arms and exclaim, Oh, dear, I'm sure I sometimes think spinsters are to be envied. Her face beamed when she exclaimed this. You remember about her pet wolf? I don't remember about her.
0: Yeah, it said she had a pet wolf um, when they were describing the Netherlands in, like, chapter two.
1: Did I All get right. mixed, mixed up? Which Game I thought was friends. quite badass. Was I sleeping during that bit?
2: No, you read it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Josh, you
2: can't be sleeping.
1: I, I, I think I was reading, but my head was out to lunch. Well, it very soon discovered that she had come to the island and it found her out, and they just ran into each other's arms. After that, it followed her about everywhere. As time wore on, did she think much about her beloved parents she had left behind her? This was a difficult question, because it is quite impossible to say how time does wear on in the Neverland, where it is calculated by moons and suns, and there are ever so many more of them than on the mainland but I am afraid that Wendy did not really worry about her father and mother. She was absolutely confident that they would always keep the window open for her to fly back by, and this gave her a complete ease of mind. What did disturb her at times was that John remembered his parents vaguely only, as people he had once known, while Michael was quite willing to believe that she was really his mother. These things scared her a little, and nobly anxious to do her duty, she tried to fix the old life in their minds by setting them examination papers on it.
0: <laughs> wow. Our dad at home is A, an
2: idiot, B a horrible person, C <laughs> all of the above. I do kind of wish they'd do like a sort of meanwhile scene back at back in London. And like, you know, you've got like yeah. all the all the like you've got the search dogs on like High Park. What nanas on the dole because she's not needed anymore. Yeah. She's like, she's like, she's got a tin can and she's been shaved on the side of the street.
1: <laughs> By setting them examination papers on it, as like as possible to the one she used to do at school, the other boys thought this awfully interesting and insisted on joining. And they made slates for themselves and sat round the table writing and thinking hard about the questions she had written on another slate and passed around. They were the most ordinary questions. What was the colour of mother's eyes? Which was taller, father or mother? Was mother blonde or brunette? Answer all three questions if possible. A. Write an essay of not less than 40 words on how I spent my last holidays or the characters of father and mother compared. Only one of these to be attempted. Or 1. Describe mother's laugh. 2. Describe father's laugh. 3. Describe mother's party dress. 4. Describe the kennel and its inmate. These are very good questions. Inmates.
0: I just can't believe we're getting a list of all the questions. Yeah. I mean, we could
2: do, this could be our
0: quiz at the end of the book. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They were just everyday questions like these. And when you could not answer them, you were told to make a cross. And it was really dreadful what a number of crosses even John made. Of course, the only boy who replied to every question was slightly. And no one could have been more hopeful of coming out first but his answers were perfectly ridiculous, and he came out last, a melancholy thing. Peter did not compete. For one thing, he despised all mothers except Wendy, and for another, he was the only boy on the island who could neither write nor spell. Not the smallest word. He was above all that sort of thing. By the way, the questions were all written in the past tense. What was the colour of mother's eyes, and so on. Wendy, you see... Had been forgetting too. Adventures, of course, as we shall see, were of daily occurrence. But about this time, Peter invented, with Wendy's help, a new game that fascinated him enormously, until he suddenly had no more interest in it, which, as you have been told, was what always happened with his games. It consisted in pretending not to have adventures, in doing the sort of thing John and Michael had been doing all their lives sitting on stools, flinging balls in the air, pushing each other, going out for walks and coming back without having killed so much as a grizzly. To see Peter doing nothing on a stool was a great sight.
2: <laughs> I concur. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this sounds like... um. David's lucid dreamers last week. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I can I can do an infinite amount of extraordinary things, but I'm gonna do something really mundane and boring instead just to mix it up. Yeah.
1: I guess if you've played all the games and had all the adventures in, you know, your own play giant playground, maybe it's you know, it's good to occasionally just try being boring and see how that works.
0: But it's just hilarious that yeah, he's he's just trying to be mundane and ordinary
2: and enjoying that. Yeah, he's like, yeah, like slagging off, like, oh, yeah, you're in Hyde Park with your boring mum. But actually, yeah, I would just love to sit on a stool.
0: Yeah. Maybe this is like highlighting some hidden need or want within Peter that actually, although he despises an ordinary life, it's because he knows he can never have it rather than because he doesn't actually want it. Probably because your clothes are made out of leaves. You know, when people say, oh, yeah, no, I don't like that. But actually, it's the case they or they do like it, or they do want it, but they know they can't have it, so then they pretend they don't. It would definitely
2: be, if there was, well, in any musical, it would definitely be where I put a song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> to see Peter doing nothing on a stool was a great sight. He could not help looking solemn at such times. To sit still seemed to him such a comic thing to do. He boasted that he had gone walking for the good of his health. For several sons, these were the most novel of all adventures to him. And John and Michael had to pretend to be delighted also, otherwise he would have treated them severely. He often went out alone, and when he came back to you, you were never absolutely certain whether he had had an adventure or not. He might have forgotten about it so completely that he said nothing about it, and then when you went out you found the body, and on the other hand, he might say a great deal about it, and yet you could not find the body. So apparently every adventure involves killing someone.
0: He is a psychopath. Yeah. Or at least a sociopath. It's
1: quite a lot of murder that's happened already. Mm. Why is anyone left on the island?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if like new people just imagine, because obviously the pirates are adults.
2: So how do they get there? I'm imagining it's like a game. They just spawn. They just spawn like... They um, respawn. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's interesting that they're pirates. So they, in theory, could approach from like another... Neverland. Yeah, maybe it's like the Caribbean. Yeah, well, because
0: obviously it said that Captain Hook was someone's bosun before, wasn't it? And like and that he has this whole backstory with Long John Silver. Yeah. So maybe Hook like
2: jumped out of Treasure Island into Neverland. Mm. Maybe he did. It's like Marvel where the universes like come together.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes he came home with his head bandaged, and when Wendy cooed over him and bathed it in lukewarm water while he told a dazzling tale but she was never quite sure you know there were however many adventures which she knew to be true because she was in them herself and there were still more that were at least partly true for the other boys were in them and said they were wholly true to describe them all would require a book as large as an english latin latin english dictionary and the most we can do is give one as a specimen of an average hour on the island The difficulty is which one to choose. Should we take the brush with the redskins at Slightly Gulch? It was a sanguinary affair, and especially interesting as showing one of Peter's peculiarities, which was that in the middle of a fight, he would suddenly change sides. At the gulch, when victory was still in the balance, sometimes leaning this way and sometimes that, he called out, I'm redskin today, what are you, toodles? (laughs) And Tootles answered, Redskin, what are you, Nibs? And Nibs said, Redskin, what are you, Twin, (laughs) And so on. And they were all Redskins. And of course, this would have ended the fight had not the real Redskins, fascinated by Peter's methods, agreed to be the Lost Boys for that once. And (laughs) and so so at it, they all went again more fiercely than ever. So they just changed teams? They just decided they're going to fight for the other team.
2: Like, I tell you what, you be me and I'll be you. Fight! <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. That is like global politics in the 20th century, though. So we should like. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> the extraordinary upshot of this adventure was, but we have not decided yet that this is the adventure we attenderate. Perhaps a better one would be the night attack by the Redskins on the house under the ground, when several of them stuck in the hollow trees and had to be pulled out like corks. Or we might tell how Peter saved Tiger Lily's life in the Mermaid's Lagoon and so made her his ally. Or we could tell of that cake the pirates cooked so that the boys might eat it and perish and how they placed it in one cunning spot after another but always Wendy snatched it from the hands of her children so that in time it lost its succulence and became as hard as a stone and was used as a missile and hook fell over it in the dark. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's over my favourite thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a stupid. The thing is, I thought the whole cake caper was still coming. I yeah. thought we were still working towards it, and he's like, "Oh no, that's that's all
2: happened." Like, that's
1: just an anecdote by this stage.
2: Captain Hook is like revered as one of the most sort of like terrifying. He's coming across like Dick Dastardly. Yes, exactly (laughs) that Smee's like (laughs) No, I can't do it (laughs) by
1: Or suppose we tell of the birds that were Peter's friends Particularly of the never bird that built in a tree overhanging the lagoon And how the nest fell into the water And still the bird sat on her eggs And Peter gave orders that she was not to be disturbed That is a pretty story And the end shows how grateful a bird can be But if we tell it, we must also tell the whole adventure of the lagoon, which would of course be telling two adventures rather than just one. A shorter adventure, and quite as exciting, was Tinkerbell's attempt, with the help of some street fairies, to have the sleeping Wendy conveyed on a great floating leaf to the mainland. Fortunately, the leaf gave way and Wendy woke, thinking it again bath time and swam back, or again, we might choose Peter's defiance of the lions when he drew a circle round him on the ground with an arrow and dared them to cross it. And though he waited for hours with the other boys and Wendy looking on breathlessly from trees, not one of them dared to accept his challenge. Which of these adventures shall we choose? The best way will be to toss for it. I have tossed and the lagoon has won. <laughs> what? That is really The author flipped ridiculous. a coin.
2: Just tell a story. We don't know about the other ones, but they didn't happen. This uh, just seems
0: to be verbal diarrhea. He's just like, he's like, I'm going to come up with all these little stories. And rather than pick your own, I'm going to pick. Like, just pick and just tell us. Don't tell us you've just and tossed you've, the coin.
2: like you've just taught yourself out of having like loads of spin-offs and sequels.
0: Or later chapters where the chapter actually has a, a story driving it. Cause right now this is just rambling. This whole chapter has just been rambling.
1: Yeah, but he's teasing us a bit because like all these could be like, oh that But be you're a not good setting story. anything up oh. in terms
0: of where this is going. I should be able to, by chapter seven, see some kind of arc appearing, some kind of conflict, some kind of drama happening that needs to be solved. That, that, that isn't happening. I'm just getting a really boring snapshot of Peter sitting on a stool
2: and Wendy giving the boys exams. Also, it'd be really annoying if, this, if the tale that J.M. Barry chooses seems to be more boring than the other ones he sort of, like, alluded to. Yeah. Like, again, yeah. They, they go and they didn't find anything to kill, so they came back. It's like I want, to, I want to hear the story of Captain Hook explaining to the other pirates how he tripped over a cake of his own creation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just to highlight as well that Tinkerbell is still trying to murder Wendy. That was stuck in there somewhere. It was where she put... <laughs> Second death attempt. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I also love that Tinkerbell's uh, had the help of some street fairies, which would <laughs> uh, be like some kind of West Side Story Neverland hybrid. This almost makes one wish that the gulch or the cake or Tink's leaf ended. Yeah. Of course, I could do it again and make the best out of three. However, perhaps fairest to stick to the lagoon. So the he's, lagoon, even, the lagoon. he's even admitted that the lagoon is not the best story. Mm. Uh. But the lagoon one's the one where
0: Peter saves Tiger Lily.
1: So maybe that's why. You're so maybe
0: this, he maybe he's telling this because it sets up an alliance that becomes important later.
1: Yeah, true. Uh, well, that, gents, is end of what? chapter. Oh, wow. Oh, oh okay.
2: <sighs> I mean, I'm ex- I'm excited for the next ones. He, he ended it with the cliffhanger
0: of, I'm about to tell you a story.
1: And it's probably not the best story, but I'll do it anyway because I flipped a coin. End of chapter.
2: <laughs> God. That's, such, like, that's like, such an introspective like disappointment. The whole time you're reading it going, like, this could be better
0: yeah and it's building towards something and then at the end of the chapter is where we were hoping to get to
2: that's like jk rowling going like i'm going to tell you a story of hogwarts but i'm going to tell you about a day that uh one of the ravenclaw girls lost her wallet <laughs> 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 meanwhile <laughs> harry and his friends were looking for the philosopher's stone
1: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but i, t- I-,
2: I tossed the coin
1: surely that's literary 101 you tell the most interesting yeah. story
0: yeah <laughs> There's actually a couple of little things in this chapter which literally <laughs> the fact that I wait for you guys to do that is just depressing. <laughs> so there's a few things in this which, although the chapter wasn't very story driving and wasn't very kind of like forthcoming with where this book's going to go, There are a few little bits which offer at least some insight as to how the island works and also how Peter works. One thing that's quite interesting is about the story of the Native Americans and the Lost Boys fighting and how they changed sides. And what this reveals is that the large share of the violence that takes place on the island is free of hatred. It is fighting for fighting's sake an extreme version of the many gallant violent arts like boxing and other combat sports so it's kind of trying to say that the fighting is be- it's almost like roughhousing the boys just enjoy having a bit of a grapple and a bit of a punch and a bit of a spar and then it's the end end of the day and everyone walks home um, and but this is just saying the vast majority of it i feel like the violence towards the pirates is as of a- is of a different type
1: This is like more kind of uh, low level, almost play fighting. And then the pirates are the ultimate enemy.
0: Yes. The um, Native Americans seem to be in on the game as well because they're like, oh, oh, okay. If you guys are going to be weird and pretend to be us, then we're going to pretend to be you as well. And it's almost like they're as up for the game as Peter and the Lost Boys are. Yeah. Whereas the pirates, it seems to be of a different ilk. They seem to be out for actual blood rather than just uh, a good old fight just for the sake of it. Peter enjoys pretending to be an ordinary child, perhaps because he feels the real adventure of being a child with parents and a home is forbidden to him. And the last sentence of this is what's quite interesting, which is what I was touching on earlier. The game of ordinariness is tinged with real longing. So I feel like there is a longing by Peter to experience the ordinary or to have some kind of sense of it. But because he has put up such a negative front towards that i feel like he can't admit openly that that's something that he wants to experience and so he has to experience it in this kind of make believe oh let's make fun of it let's make a game
2: of it
1: yeah so he's really he's just being a stubborn little boy maybe yes
2: maybe that is actually the ulterior motive for abducting let's play no bones about it the abducted wendy um because well on the surface it's like oh we need someone to do our clothes and so on our things but actually she is like the passport to the mundane and normal outside world. Well yeah, she'll be able to go, "Oh, well, this is what it's like on Fleet Street.
0: The middle section that I skipped says exactly that. The question is, does he need Wendy to help him with the game of ordinariness, or does he need her in a some simpler way? Just in terms of her being there helps him with this pretend world and it's a substitute thing of I don't want a real mother but if I have her then I have a mother-like person without having to have a real mother and then one last bit as well with the kids forgetting their parents and forgetting where they came from it says the lesson here is that parents always remember children and that children always forget them all that parents give children take away The selflessness of parents is just proportionate to the selfishness of children.
1: I'm thinking a parent wrote that. Yeah, but I think
0: it's quite apt, isn't it? Yeah. Parents give their kids everything or try and give them everything and kids just always want more. Take, take, take.
1: Uh, Yeah, really, Wendy's like, I don't really care that my parents are probably going through the worst time of their lives having lost their children because they've kept the window open for me
2: yeah they're too young to have the nuance of understanding the sort of gravitas of what it would be like for a child to go missing they're just like oh no open the window no they probably call the metropolitan police when it's also her obliviousness to like you know i've just
0: i'm putting my parents through hell but i can make it end at any time but i'm choosing not to
2: yeah that's that's actually even worse yeah
0: i'm gonna have a guess and say that
2: the next chapter is called the lagoon
1: any advances on that, David?
2: Pete, uh, No, sorry. Barry tosses a coin again, just in case. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. no, chapter eight, The Mermaids. Oh, okay, yeah.
2: okay. I missed one word. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Well, if you have any insight or any comments on this chapter, you can contact us on thelazybookclub at gmail.com.
2: Uh, of course, we're on Twitter and our handle is at lazybookclubpod.
1: And we're also on Instagram at
0: Pod. So the Mermaid's Lagoon, we'll see you next week.